This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast, where in this edition, of course, we will be discussing Tottenham's trip to Anfield, Liverpool 4, Tottenham Hotspur 3, another defeat on the road for Spurs. Spurs were 3-0 down after 15 minutes, goals from Jones, Diaz and Salah. Some Spurs fans went home at that stage after just 15 minutes. It seemed like it was another Newcastle game, which, of course, was last week. Harry Kane, Son and Richarlison pulled it back to 3-3. And Jota got Liverpool's winner in the 96th minute, one of the last kicks of the game. Um, a number of Spurs fans yet again sang about Daniel Levy in the away end. But no matter what the score was today, the Spurs fans did not stop singing. Spurs hit the post three times in the game. Hummins on twice and Romero. Spurs are down to sixth in the Premier League table in the Europa League spot. And Spurs have only won twice in the Premier League Anfield in 33 years. And that was back in 1993 and 2011. As usual, I've got three very special guests to talk about today's game. We've got Paralympic gold medalist Richard Whitehead, MBE, back with us. The man, uh, the only man on this channel who brings the trophies and brings the medals. Uh, he has another one. Of course, he has just completed the London Marathon last weekend. Rich, how are you? Oh my goodness! Cheers for the uh, intro. Oh my God. stress levels. Oh my, God. how to spoil a weekend? Watch Spurs, right? Just like that game, we give every team a forty-five minute head start. That first forty-five minutes, at least the first thirty minutes, was absolutely shocking. One thing I will say, and we can talk about it later, leadership. Where was it? Where was it? Where was the press? Where was the leadership? Where's the defence? Nowhere to be seen. Nowhere. Look, the season needs to be over as quickly as possible and then we need to yeah, transform the squad um, and the actual club, really. I think we need to transfer the club from the, the top to the bottom. Uh, women's team is struggling. Men's team is struggling. No leadership. Come on, guys. 
We'll get into the football in a minute, uh, Rich. How was the London Marathon last weekend? Yeah, sick. Yeah, loved it. Uh, weather was terrible. Uh, got some uh, got some uh, support from the uh, the crowd, um, shouting, uh, come on you Spurs, <laughs> especially on London Bridge, which was awesome. But um, yeah. London Marathon, for those that haven't done it, it's a great spectacle to run around the streets of London to get the support of fellow Spurs fans on the streets was absolutely awesome. Did okay. Um, I was just trotting around, to be honest. Um, and I helped a guy, actually, uh, on the home straight. 50 minutes ago, somebody collapsed, picked him up. Uh, in the Spurs spirit, Nobody leave nobody behind. Uh, and uh, a fellow runner, we kind of lifted him on his feet and then he got to the finish as well. So, yeah, really enjoyed it. I saw a video there, top work, Rich, uh, as per usual. Um, we've also got actor Andy Linden back with us. Andy, a pleasure yeah, to have you back, of course. Best known for his roles on Harry Potter and Count Arthur Strong. Been in so many films and TV series and always somebody who brings a smile to my face, no matter what the score is. Andy, welcome back. How are you? Uh, yeah, sure, good. Well, like, like everyone else, waiting for the uh, season to end, so I, um, and then have a bit of therapy. <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, you know, and then um, um, I don't know, and then get ready for um, the following season. And um, just hope it ain't going to be anxiety ridden. Um, but yes, I, um, I well, I was good, I, I was good. Um, but uh, as we said earlier on, I mean, that was cut wrenching at, at, at the finish. You know, there we are. We've at that first half, I, I was looking at that. We'll come on to the football in a second, Andy. Don't right. worry. Don't worry. Uh, you'll, you'll get your say. I know I know. Richard and Andy are very keen to have their say on the game already, but let's introduce the guests first. Uh, we've also got YouTuber Patrick Tyrant back with us. Patrick, pleasure to have you back. How are you? Yeah, I mean, I'm good. Um, pleasure to be on with Richard and Andy and yourself, of course, Chris. Uh, can't fault you for your commitment, Chris. You can see you're on the, you know, on the way back from um, Anfield, Liverpool. So that's a long journey home. And, uh, you know, um, I commend you for staying. They sh they pan to the cameras of people walking out 15 minutes on. I was like, oh, my God, is this going to be five, six and sevens? Thankfully, we showed some. I know we're going to get into the football, uh, so I won't get into that. But I'm heartbroken, man. Three, three. In injury time, I thought fantastic. The way, what a goal for Richarlison! What a way for Richarlison to score his first goal. You know, get something out of the game which we all thought was dead and buried, and then our hearts get broken right at the. Oh man, yeah, it's uh, typical, isn't it? Typical Spurs. What can I say? Patrick, let's get straight into it. Let's let's start the show with you. Let's let's start by talking about um, Spurs being three 0 down after fifteen minutes. Jones, Diaz, and Salah. And as you've just said, Spurs fans going home early again. You know that Newcastle game was bad enough, um, and you know to be three 0 down again today after fifteen minutes. What is it about our starting games so poorly, conceding goals so quickly in matches? And another question for you, Anfield. I absolutely hate going to Anfield and I always have because from, you know, for as long as I can remember, two wins in the Premier League since the Premier League started back in 1992. Uh, 33 years, 1993 and 2011. What is it about Anfield that Spurs just struggle with? You know what? It's a mentality thing, honestly. It is. If you break it down, it's just another pitch. You know, it's got four corners. It's got a semicircle. It's got a half, you know, halfway line, two goals. It is literally another pitch. And we've put this hoodoo on ourselves. The players have got an awful mentality. They're shrinking violets when the pressure's on. And, you know, these players, 
of course, some of them aren't good enough. We all know that. There's lots that aren't good enough. But these are guys that have played at the highest level, played at the, on the biggest stages. Most of them are uh, World Cup uh, players. You know, they played in the biggest stages and grandest stages. And every time when it comes to the crunch, these guys just wilt and melt away. You know, Eric Dyer couldn't string a pass together today. Awful, yet again. Uh, Romero, I love the guy. I think he's a fantastic defender, but that was so rash at 2-0 down to lunge into the box like that. Yeah. Came when he got the ball. He was nowhere near the ball. You know, he took the man out. It's a definite penalty all day long. No leader. You know, Kane, I love the guy to death, but if you want to be captain, where's the lead? Where, you know, you're not screaming at people to get into position. You're not screaming at people to, to pick themselves up, to go again, like... Play for even if you're not playing for the badge, play for the name on like play for something, your family, the name on the back of the shirt, even though the front of the shirt comes first. But play for some pride. The way these guys are just, you know, Ben Davis come back in, it's, he's been out for a while, so I'm not going to get onto him. But again, he wasn't the greatest. Skip's first touch wasn't that great, but he had a really good second half. But all in all, just a poor performance from top to bottom. Defensively, we're all over the place. Playing a back four, back five, it doesn't matter. These guys are leaving gaps all over the park. And Liverpool were up for it and we won. But it just goes to show when we were up for it and Liverpool were on the ropes, you know, it's these guys are human beings. Don't go into the game with fear. Don't give the opposition something to already get behind. And it's like teams can smell blood at the moment and they're just pouncing on us. And um, the Anfield thing, exactly like you said, Chris, we were speaking before the game and we were both saying we just hope the guys give us something to talk about in terms of pride. And they did for a moment, but all in all, it's another loss. Ah, oh, uh, you know, my head's scrambled at the moment. I can't lie. It's just there's so much going on. But to think that we had pulled something out of that game when we were three 0 down, I was like, you know what? Fantastic. Let's take that away, and then we just go and lose it like that. It's crazy. Yeah, criminal man, criminal. Roy writes on the screen now. Um, we're showing that we can play and score goals. So why are we so passive at the start? Yes, our defensive bad, but Lady Luck also seems to be against us. Rich. I'm going to ask you the same question. You know, your thoughts on the match, but after 15 minutes to be 3-0 down to start the game so slowly, I know we're going to get into it. I know we're going to talk about us coming back, you know, to 3-3. And, you know, there was some positives from the game. Uh, but 15 minutes into the match to start so slowly yet again in such a huge game. Yeah. Shit ourselves really, didn't we? Um, even from... From the the mentality from the start, you know the players in the, the tunnel, like, like you just want to see energy. You want to see the what for the fight. You, I, I'm not seeing fighters. I think that just too comfortable. Players are not kind of like going for it. Like that first 15 minutes, we were so passive. We didn't press together. Uh, there was we were getting overrunning midfield. Um, Liverpool clearly went right. Spurs have played midweek. We're going to take advantage of this mentality that's fatigued. Fatigued not only from the game in midweek, but fatigued with all the negativity through the club. Fatigued with all the expectation to to fail every time they go on the pitch. And I saw that. I saw that through through Kane. I saw that through a lot of the players. Um, and it affects like Sonny. When I mean, Sonny's in front of a goal now, Last season, he had one-on-one. -on -one, he thought he's going to score. Now, it's, it's having to bobble or he's having to miss it, it to go in. Um, I, for me, the first 15 minutes was kind of a culmination of the things that's wrong with the club. We're not a team now 
that's that's proactive in the in the actual format of the Premier League. Like teams have moved on, and we've stayed stagnant, and that's wrong. We need to have a total transformation, and that includes Daniel Levy as well. I I, I was one of these uh, fans where like we've got a great infrastructure, uh, invest in the academy, but no. We need to invest in the players who are going to make us better on the on the pitch, as well as the teams out there. You look at the look at the teams like Brighton, and you look at them yesterday, and you go, "Why are Spurs not like this? Why are Spurs not not creative like a, a team like Brighton?" And they they took the piss out of us when when they played them. Really, they should have won, and we came out with the, the points. That game today, that four three, was our season in its entirety. Flattered to deceive in some games, threw it away at the end. Crap at the start of the, the game. That is, that is our season. Chris, you're on mute. Chris, you're on mute. <laughs> he can't be asked to talk anymore. That's it. He's done. <laughs> Andy, let's come to you. Let's, let's get your thoughts on the game. I completely agree with you, by the way, Rich. Um, I agree with all of you, uh, Patrick. Great point. Same as you, Rich. And, and all I'm doing is echoing the same thing. But yes, the first 15 minutes, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, you know what? I think that team are going to have to put their hands in their pocket again and refund the fans. Uh, and yes, we were better in the second half. Yeah. And as Patrick was saying about leadership, unfortunately, look, I'm I'm glad that Conti's gone. Um, but he vented in that rant some home troops. That team, over the years, I have to say, not just with Conti, Mourinho as well was pointed out, that team lacks fortitude. It lacks, as Mourinho says, a mental strength. Um, perhaps it's part of their DNA. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't mean to ramble on and go on um, a nostalgia trip here, but, you know, good teams, and it's not just having a Messi or Salah or a, it's good teams have big characters in their teams. Now, you you guys probably wouldn't remember Dave McCoy. Believe me, mate, McCoy was everything. Imagine Graham Roberts, but with three times the skill. The fucking sorry, the leadership this man had. He would. It was. I remember as a kid, seriously, uh, on a touchline. I was at a uh, bottom row uh, in the east stand, uh, right, right up by the railings. He's turned round. We're losing, he's just churned around and says, let's get into these monkeys! Give them iron! <laughs> and, I mean, now, like, the woke wave would... <laughs> would uh, but I knew what he meant. And just as a schoolboy hearing that, it was like, oh, yes! And he was a player who was highly skilled, defensive midfield player, highly skillful. We had that with Roberts. We've had that. A few. We haven't got, as Patrick was saying, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, Harry, you're a legend, but he's not a captain. I'm a traditionalist. I don't believe in a goalkeeper being captain. 
How can you bark orders when you're 60 yards away from play at times? You, you can't. I'm afraid to say a lot of our players, look at them last week. Was it 6-1? You've got Kane, Loris, uh, uh, Dyer. There are players there that have been there seven years that have been together. What? They're meant to be experienced players. And um, it, it, it's farcical, guys. I don't mean to ramble on, but... It, it, Andy, do you, do, you, do you see any leaders? No, I don't. That's the problem with the team. I don't. The one who could become one, actually, I actually think Skip could. He's got a good mindset. He may not be a world beater, but as Richard was saying, the problem we have in midfield, we have... It's constantly overrun, and the reason being it's overrun, our wide men are not good enough to occupy a defence. You can't have wing-backs who can't defend as well. So, consequently, the midfield gets overrun, and if you look at our squad of midfielders, they're either deep-lying or defensive. We haven't got one creative midfielder in that squad or a central midfield player and that is against our ethos and I'm afraid to say the two managers that we've had particularly the last one I think he is the Linda Blair of football the Antichrist if you look at um, Conti I think he's got the capability to rotate he said 360 degrees you know he, he is anti-football and, you know, uh, I think it's been damaging. I, I really do. Uh, uh, it's damaged the academy as well. There's kids leaving Tottenham, I don't mean to ramble on, who have gone to Southampton because they think they're going to get more minutes. He, he was damaging for, for the academy. And we and we have been, as a team, like a lot of teams, we bring kids through over the years. We've brought kids through. And the last one was Kane, possibly Skip. Uh, I've had my little rant. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, we are in turmoil at the moment. We are a club, as you know, without a manager, without a director of football. Uh, again, from what I've been told, uh, there were members on the ball that warned Mr Levy that this man is under a police investigation and he didn't take any heed. That's what I've been reading, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're um, in you know. I'll come back to you shortly, Andy. Um, Patrick, let's come to you. What have you made of the two games under Ryan Mason so far? Because, of course, a lot of fans didn't like the style of football that we played under Antonio Conte. Ryan Mason has been in charge now for two games. Of course, we uh, came back against Manchester United on Thursday night. Uh, came back against Liverpool. Um, a lot of comments today in the in the uh, in the comments uh, on the stream at the moment are saying that Spurs were unlucky, and perhaps we should have gone on to to get a point or even three in the game due to poor refereeing decisions. Do you take a lot of today as a positive or not? There's two ways to look at it. I think Ryan Mason will be a good manager. He's really young. He's only 31. I think he's only managed nine games or something like that uh, in his professional career. 
I, I admire the bravery. I admire the, the, the risk to try something different. Against Man United, that was a fantastic point on the basis of we had just come off the back of a humiliating defeat, probably one of the worst in our Premier League history or tenure. 6-1 yeah. to Newcastle, a team with all due respect, should never be beating us like that, home or away. Got a good point against a good team in Man United. And even today, I mean, we are 3-0 down. He's still naive, but he is very young. So you're going to get that. You know, he's so early on in his managerial career. But to bring it back to 3-3, fantastic. He was quite brave with his substitutions, but I'm going to take with, give with one hand and take with the other. When I saw Lucas Moura warming up to come on, I was thinking, why is this guy on? The guy's been rubbish for us. Take away, I mean, yes, the Champions League run in Amsterdam, he was brilliant, fantastic. But other than that, he's been poor for three or four years now. Got a really sloppy red card against Everton. Not been playing for the last three years. Very rust, sorry, for our last three games. Rusty. Every time I've seen him play this season, he's been crap. So I'm thinking, why are you bringing him on right now? In the game, Pedro Paul is having a lot of joy on that on that right hand side. I don't understand why he came off. And then lo and behold, Richarlison, uh, sorry, not Richarlison, Lucas Moura gives it was such a weird pass, a lazy no look back pass. Jota runs onto it and they win the game. So that for me is on Ryan Mason as well because I didn't understand that substitution and it didn't need to happen. The game was there. We was so I'm so I, I don't know, my head scrambled, I can't lie, it's just so much going on and to lose it in that manner after fighting so hard to come back into it it really hurt but I do think he's a good manager well it's too early to really understand how good he is but but I do like what I've seen so far I like well I like the second half performances not the first half the yeah. first half is just yeah. worrying it before but I have seen something different I don't know if it's and it just goes to show it's the same bunch of players um Tactically, he's not really changed that. Well, no, actually, that's a lie. I've seen better patterns of play. I've seen them more engaged on on and off the ball. Um, you've seen, mm, I would Patrick, say, it, yeah. It, it, isn't it the most frustrating thing though all season? No matter who has been the manager, Antonio Conte, Stellini, now Ryan Mason, it is the same things happening in all of these games. To start the game, to concede three goals in 15 minutes, particularly after last week's performance. And we have said from literally the opening day of the season, these first half performances have not been good enough. Now, when the players watch the games back, when they've analysed them, which they do at Hotspur Way, they go through the games, they talk about it, they're on the training pitch every single day. How are they not improving? Because I know some people will say, well, these players aren't good enough. We know that they're good enough to give second-half performances. We've seen it many times this season that they've performed in the second half. So what is it about starting games where you're thinking, right, we're going to give everything from minute one? What is it about starting matches so badly? It is, like I said before, it's a mentality thing because the guys are capable. They're more than capable. And we've seen it in the World Cup, Champions League, you know, for other teams where they've gone on and won things. Perisic is, a, is, an, is an accustomed player with a lot of medals. I mean, I keep getting on to Eric Dyer. I think he's so rubbish now. He's so bad. Compared to this time last year, he was such a good player under Conte and he's regressed and fallen off the cliff again. And he's looked awful, but we've seen him have better performances. So we know it's in there. Davison Sanchez, when he first came to us, he was one of the best young uh, centre-backs in Europe. Everyone wanted him. We bought him from Ajax for 40 plus million a long time ago. So in today's economy, that would have been 60, 70 million we paid for him. He was a beast and a monster in his first season. And then since then, he's fallen off a cliff. It's not just his fault, though. We've had so many different coaches come in Conte, Mourinho, Nuno, 
interim managers and no one's really coached these players. So they've kind of been neglected. And the ones that aren't good enough to really do it themselves, like your sons, your canes, they've all gone backwards. So there's that. And it's for me, it's just a mentality thing. And I just think this bunch of players together isn't good enough. There needs to be wholesale changes, bring in some much better players. And then we go again. I don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know who the manager is going to be. Daniel Levy needs to change his whole philosophies and the way he's run the club because it's not good enough. It's not working. You know, 22 years, one trophy, and we're falling behind. Your Brighton's are looking good now. Newcastle look really good. Man United look like they're back and they're going to go again. And slowly but surely, you know, we're sixth or seventh at the moment. And that's where we deserve to be. There's no, you know, when you look at the table, there's no false positions now. We are the sixth or seventh best club in the country. Our away record is woeful. I think they showed the chart before as the game was going on. We haven't won in like 10 games away from home. Yeah. That's crazy. Rich, how are you going to feel when and if the announcement comes out that Eric Dyer's got a new contract at the club? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It's not a, it's not a think, starting point. It's your place to say it all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just... The problem with, with Tottenham as a club is we don't move on these players. If our aspirations are top four, look at the players that we've got in that starting lineup. What players would you keep if you want us to get into that top floor? There's probably four, maybe. Do you know what I mean? That's it. The rest, the rest we need to move on. And Dyer's one of them. Dyer's one of them that we needs to move on. And that, and you can't just say, oh, the squad players. And even when they come in, they're just not good enough. Or the manager only believes in 11 players and that's it. The rest of the players, are clearly they don't believe in them. They don't see anything in training. They don't see it in their mentality and gameplay. Sanchez definitely needs to go. Like He's not offered anything for years. Dyer the same. I think we need to be uh, ruthless with those decisions because we will never move on. We never move on unless we get rid of those players now. Lois needs to go. Foster needs to go. We need two new keepers. Um, defensively, We've been all over the place since uh, Jan and Toby were at the back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So we, and then creatively in, in midfield, how many times have I been on this show and said we've not replaced uh, Ericsson? How many? Yeah. That, yeah. that kind of player that can slow the game down and speed it up and then uh, uh, go through the channels and uh, a player like that. We need experience. We need a, a world-class player that within that within that position. We need options, not just the same player that comes on the pitch that goes off the pitch. We need different attributes that come on and add something different in those key moments. And and that's what we haven't got. Like Andy was saying, we're overrunning every game. I think that's probably the reason why a lot of our games in the first half, we've, we've always been behind or we've been on the back foot because the teams have come with pace, which we've probably got one or two players that have got pace with, with Sonny and that's probably about it. They've come with the pace and because we've just sat as a as a three or a five. They just won through us, and we, we, we and that's what we've done every game. And then we've just we just uh, wound the cog up, wound the cog up, and then the second half after a rollicking at half time, they come out and go right guys, we're going to play now. And it's just not how you we should play from the first minute. We should play the Tottenham way. We should press the teams, have somebody creative in fit midfield with Benzinger. With um, Skippy in midfield, really control games and start playing like the Brightons, the Newcastles, because at the moment 
like uh, Patrick was saying, we are sixth, seventh, eighth team in the league. That's where we are. Top yeah. four, miles off. Absolutely miles off. Yeah. I, I was watching some of the games yesterday and thinking, how how much are we like a Crystal Palace? How much, like, at least they're, they're playing, like, attractive football. And, yes, the win is underweight. Roy Hodgson, actually winning some games. Us, we're not... We're not even giving ourselves a chance to win because we're two, three, four nil behind before the the actual players like play. They've got some good players as well, and uh, it's funny how you should mention Ericsson again because I, I I feel that we haven't replaced an informed Deli Ali in our team either. You know, with, with that um, you know that that creative player who can actually you look at that team. You look at that team where we had yeah. Ericsson out wide, Deli as that as a. As a, as a player just behind uh, Sonny and K- uh, Kane. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like that team. And then you, you throw into it like a, a Dembele kind of player. We've got yeah. options. We've got we've got a midfield that, that uh, teams are scared of. They know they're in a battle. Now, Liverpool today knew that if they got on the front foot with us, they'd score two or three goals. They knew that. You, know, straight, you could tell. You could just tell. Even from the warm-up. Terrible. Well... As Patrick said about the league table, um, Spurs are now sixth in the table. We've now played 34, which means we've got four games left. We've won 16, drawn six and lost 12. We've got a goal difference of plus six. We have 54 points. Aston Villa, who we face uh, in a couple of weeks' time, they have exactly the amount, same amount of points as us, same games played. They have got a plus four goal difference. Liverpool now go into fifth spot. Uh, they also have a game in hand. Uh, top four is just simply not going to happen. Uh, it will be mathematically impossible um, in a couple of games' time. There's absolutely no doubt. Um, now, Sunday's results, um, four other games took place today. Bournemouth four, Leeds one, Fulham one, Manchester City two, who go top of the Premier League table now. Manchester United one, Aston Villa nil, and Newcastle beat Southampton 3-1 at St James's Park. Now, the match stats from today's game, uh, Liverpool v Spurs, uh, possession, Liverpool had 68% of the ball. Uh, Tottenham had 32%. Shots, Liverpool 12. Spurs 10. Shots on target, 4. And of course, 4 goals um, to Tottenham 7. Uh, corners, Liverpool had 5. Uh, Spurs 2. And fouls, Liverpool 12. Tottenham 6. Um, Andy, let's come to you. Let's talk about the uh, team lineup uh, today. Ryan Mason made two changes to the team that drew 2-2 against Manchester United on Thursday. Ben Davis came in, Kulisewski came in, Lingley uh, dropped out, as did Richarlison. Uh, so the team in full, uh, goalkeeper Forster, back three of Romero, Dyer and Davis, wing-backs Pedro Poro and Ivan Perisic, in midfield Skip and Hoybier, and in the front three of Kulisewski, Son and Kane. Subs today, Sanchez, Richarlison, Danjuma, Tanganga, Mora, Saar, Lengley and Austin and also um, Alfie Devine. Uh, referee for today's game is Paul Tierney. Um, two changes for Mason today. Were you surprised by that lineup? Were you surprised that um, Kulisewski come in for Richarlison today? And, uh, of course, Lengley dropping out. Ben Davies coming back from injury. Uh, I actually thought Richarlison may play today. I mean, I, I've got to be... Honest with you, um, I think 50 heading towards 60 mil for a bench warmer, mind because he was never going to get is a hell of a lot of money to pay for a a bench warmer. And uh, one of my arguments is recruitment what, what, what have we recruited in the last two or three 
Jesus. Um, uh, Regulay, um, I mean, Davis is a good, should we say, honest defender. Um, I would have actually preferred him to Regulay as well. I, I, again, I don't think that's a loan that's really worked out. Um, Davis is, as I say, he's an honest player. He's not going to get you where we want to be, top four. But that applies, in my opinion, to, to most of the squad. Uh, as Richard and Patrick have pointed out, they've been there too long, you dies. Um, you know, so uh, someone like even uh, uh, Larice, Larice should have been sold last season. Um, Foster, I know I'm veering away from what you were telling me, uh, is an okay standing, but he's slightly better than Loris uh, due to normally his distribution. But um, I think, as Patrick was saying, it's the mental attitude. It's, and Richard was saying the same thing. I mean, we're, we're, it's almost like, particularly away from home, irrespective of what... Um, you know, what what side we put out there. We are beaten, particularly away from home. You could see it in their body language. Um, and as uh, Patrick pointed out, you know, even Harry, who is our talisman and who is a legend, he is not of captain qualities. Uh, what he put put out, well, yeah, he could have had Legolaine in if he wanted. He, he could have had maybe Ricardson to begin with, but it may have still been the same. Three nil down at half time. You know, uh, I, I um, yes, we can take comfort maybe from a, a rallying uh, second half performance. Three nil down uh, at Anfield to come back three all. But you know, as Patrick said, you know that that fourth goal. It was like, oh God, you know. And there was just no coming back from that. And it just seemed that all our efforts in that second half, it just seemed all in vain. Maybe tomorrow, once I let it wash all over me, it's very hard to be objective um, straight after a match, particularly one as gut-wrenching as that. But um, the side that he put out, well... See, I don't actually believe in the wing-backs and the back three. I'm really, really hoping that uh, the next manager we get breaks that formation up because I don't... Well, can, I, can I ask, Andy, are you surprised that Ryan Mason has continued with this formation or is it that this is all the players know? Well, when you think about it, yeah. I mean, they, they, they've had this for nearly two seasons, so it's been drummed into them, maybe. Um, but as uh, you, everyone's pointed out, um, over the last two, you know, uh, two managers, there's been that, should we say, fear factor, playing with the handbrake on, for want of a better expression. Um, yeah. I'm as I say, I'm hoping that the next manager we get, God knows who that's going to be, but um, that eventually we we kind of do go to maybe a, a four three three formation. I don't. You saw the percentage today, 32%. We've had that at home, guys. Yeah. 36% at home. Yeah. At Many home. Times. I'm being histrionic. But, you know, it's 
I'm I'm a very old Tottenham fan, been going for years. It, it's against our ethos. And maybe I'm being a little idealistic now, but we've always had <laughs> we pride ourselves as being a passing team, as being a team who started on the front foot. Yeah, that defence over the years has been a bit flaky, admittedly. But we always try to play football, particularly at home. We, you boss the midfield, you know as well as I do, you boss the game. You manage sure. the game. Well, and that's been our problem, hasn't it, this season? You just like, we've been overrunning in the midfield and and going back to what you said before, Chris, as well, we just, we've not got, not got that creative midfielder. We've not got a, a proper central midfielder. We've just got defensive midfielders. Where's the penetration, guys, from midfield? Where's the, someone who can run with a ball like a Gascon, like like a Grealish, like a, a Madison? Where is that player? Where's the player with with an engine? You, you, you look at um, how intelligent uh, uh, Brighton were yesterday in their movement, in their uh, it's intelligent movement, moving the ball quickly not only do we uh, is our movement poor with the ball it's poor without the ball we're not quick witted enough I, I don't mean to be damning but it's just no. an observation it, I've well, got to pull things as I see them I, I think it says it all when a couple of you already said um, how well Crystal Palace have played and how well Brighton have played and, and, and we're bigging up teams like that. Um, Patrick, let's come to you. Stephen writes on screen now. We've spent three years parking the bus. Cannot expect the trains are overnight. Going down uh, means that we are forced to press. Uh, we look good. Um, it is going to take time for Ryan Mason, isn't it? Um, or a new manager coming in because... I do agree with that to a certain extent, that the team have played that same way for the last couple of years. Stellini tried to play a back four at Newcastle. Of course, that was an absolute disaster. He had to go back to a back three and, and the wing-back system um, as well. Would you expect Ryan Mason to continue with this uh, system until the end of the season? And then, of course, it will then change when, when and if a new manager comes in? Yeah, I would. I mean, I said it last week. Stellini doing that against Newcastle, a good team away from home in a really difficult atmosphere and environment, that was suicide. That wasn't the game to start an experiment or try an experiment in, especially a team that we were neck and neck with and is essentially a, a top four six-pointer. It was a really bad time to try it. And it also means that we'll never try it again, which is frustrating because all of us would love to see a back four, pack out the midfield, the problem is, without Ben Tanker, we don't actually, like Richard's saying, we don't actually have that silky technician, the guy who can, yeah. you know, uh, build from defence to midfield to attack. Now we've got people that are just trying to throw that long ball over the top. Sometimes it works, but you need quality. You need a, a guy with ilk that can drop a shoulder and rotate the other way, like Dembele used to do. And Ben Tanker is the closest to that. He's so silky and smooth on the ball. He offers goals, assists, but obviously he also gets in there, breaks things up. He just does a bit of everything, like... Ala Dembele. So when you don't have that, it is difficult. But because we got battered in that Newcastle game, I won't see us going back to a back four again this season, which is a shame because there are certain games where we would like to see that and we know it could work. But of course, all confidence is shot and any manager will have a valid excuse not to try that again. So this back five, unfortunately, we all hate it but it's here to stay for the rest of the season. But like Richard uh, was saying, um, next year we have to go back to a back four get another competent centre-back to partner Romero 
Obviously, you have two wing full backs, not wing full backs, wing backs, wherever they've got to be able to go forward and go backwards. You know, defensively, a full back's job is to defend as well as to attack. And sometimes when I look at Pedro Poe, I think he's great going forward. But just like Trent Alexander Arnold, sometimes his positioning is really bad and he lets his man get behind him. He doesn't know where he's at. And then before you know it, it's a goal. So there's a few things to work on. Unfortunately, it will take a summer and some, you know, better quality additions. In terms of, yeah, uh, us going, I wouldn't say we looked good. Uh, the, the other comment said we looked good after going a goal or two down. We looked better. I wouldn't say we looked good. There was only a few times in that game where I saw good football, you know, like real good passages of play, moving the ball around, getting people out of position. There was only a few moments. But yes, we looked better because, of course, we were woeful for the first 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, it's like, you know, I mean, I'm just so disappointed in some of these guys. Like, every diet, sometimes I feel, am I being too harsh on players that aren't good enough? But then other times I'm like, no, these guys are professional footballers. They should be given more. But then I'm also torn between, is Eric Dyer, is this his ceiling? Is this him at his best? So me screaming and shouting and wanting more from him, it's just not realistic because it's not something he can give us. Or is it he's just not applying himself and he's doing stupid things? Because I've seen him last year. When we were on our you know, quest for top four last season, the guy was immense for the last 10 games. He didn't put a foot wrong. Even when um, Romero got injured, Sav San Davinson Sanchez come in and he was a brick wall. We was all worried, ah, oh, shit, Sanchez is back in the team. And he was immense. So these guys can do it. So I don't know what's going on. It's, I'm like torn between, but the reality is they're not good enough. Dyer needs to go. Sanchez needs to go. Hoiberg, I used to like him, but I'm sorry, he needs to go. Ben Davis has been here way too long. He needs to go. Hugo Lloris is shot to pieces. He needs to go. I could go on all day. Lucas Moura, thankfully, is going. Um, there's just too many players. Too many players have been here for six, seven, eight years. And it's time to shake it up a bit. When you look at other teams in the Premier League, no way have they had this group of players or core players for this long who haven't been successful. If we were winning, you know, everything, then cool, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. But even your Liverpools, your Man Cities, they're shaking things up every two or three years. You'll see Pep get rid of Sane. You're like, well, why has he got rid of him? And then you see him bring someone else in and you understand it. Jurgen Klopp with Mane does the same thing, brings in new players, freshens things up and they go again. Son and Kane have been together for eight years. You know, Eric Dyer was was playing in our last last time. Oh, they said a crazy stat. I can't remember what it was, but Eric Dyer, Ben Davis. Like there's a group of play players that have been there for five, six years, and they've yeah. When Pochettino was last here, and we played in the Champions League final against Liverpool, like six or seven of those guys were in the squad, and they're still here now. It's too much. Well, Eric Dyer will be due a testimonial next year. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, that that's that sounds hell of a rebuild. What you've just said there, Patrick, but I completely agree with you. And when you think of all of those loan players coming back as well, um, it is hell of a job for somebody to do at the football club. And as as Andy rightly pointed out, you know you've got no Fabio uh, Prasci at the moment at the club either. Um, you know, so it'd be interesting whether Spurs replace him. Scott Munn's coming in on the first of July. He has got hell of a job to do. Um, Ryan Mason, a couple of comments here from Ryan Mason after the game. When you give literally the opposition four goals without having to earn it, it makes it very difficult. It makes it impossible to win games. Talking to BBC Five Live um, on Jota, uh, the Jota boot on Skip. Honestly, it's probably the cleanest red card you will ever see on the football pitch. I need an explanation. It endangered the opponent. Um, Rich, let's come to you. Let's get into the game itself. Uh, I'm going to do this very quickly because... I don't really want to relive these goals individually. 1-0 after three minutes. Uh, Trent Cross, Jones on his left foot. 
Uh, poor start again from Tottenham. Just two minutes later, Gakpo assist, Diaz with the finish. Of course, um, Diaz hadn't started a game um, since October, um, having come back from injury. Um, and then after 13 minutes, Romero brings down Gakpo. Rash challenge, as Patrick rightly said earlier. Um, Rich, let's get on to talking about um, Christian Romero because a number of pundits now are even getting on Romero's back saying that, you know, he is just a red card waiting to happen, rash challenges, mistakes. What on earth has happened to our great defender um, that we bought? bought? Yeah, so uh, obviously first two goals were mistakes by the wing-backs, for one. Uh, uh, And again... I think it's just pressure. Um, I think uh, Romero is played through the World Cup. Remember, his World Cup winner played all those games. Um, he's he's got the sole responsibility of the team defensively because he knows the other other guys are crap at defending, and you can you can see that. I think he's fatigued with the Tottenham bullshit. To be honest, the last couple of games he just doesn't seem the same kind of same kind of player. He doesn't seem the, the the player that wants to go in and kind of force the play because he knows is is a record waiting to happen. Um Romero is a player, I think he needs to reflect on the difference uh of the Premier League and and when to press and when not to. Uh he's obviously a, a threat in the box as well as he, he nearly scored today. Um he's got some great attributes but he can't do it himself. He can't do it himself. Like Patrick was saying, like Dyer didn't stream too to uh, pass it together today, like terrible. Ben Davis <clears> needs to go clearly every week. Seven out of ten isn't good enough for Spurs. Like I know, I know there's a oh reliable Ben Davis, but we don't want a reliable back three or back five. We want uh, a dominant back back five that can interchange, that uh, can can go into midfield, then just drop back in. That's that's tight. We should have ball players as our centre backs that can move into midfield, move back. Contribute all over the over the pitch, whether it's goals, whether it's passes, whether it's interplay, um, and then Romero. I think it's just the pressure now. I think it's going back to your question, Chris. That for him, he's, he's into an environment where he's got a lot of pressure on his head. He's, he's the so-called world-class defender that we've got that we're going to build the team around. Um, I think he's he's fatigued. He looks fatigued. Confidence looks like it's getting lower and lower. Game on game, um, end of season will come uh, not uh, not quick enough for him because he wants kind of a bit of a refresh. Somebody else coming into central central partnership with him, and hopefully we can build from there because we definitely need uh, the the Romero that started the season and definitely not the one that's finished it. So after 15 minutes, it was 3-0 Salah down the middle uh, for the penalty. Uh, just seven minutes later, Salah shot just wide. Um, Andy, let's come to you. After 29 minutes, it was our first touch in Liverpool's box. After 29 minutes, Harry Kane crossed the Hunmin Son. Uh, he missed it, but it was offside anyway. But it took to 29 minutes for us to have our first touch in Liverpool's box. Yes, that's right. Um... But we are, and have been, and we spoke about it earlier on, we are notoriously slow starters. <laughs> <laughs> 29 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I've seen games this week. We, 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 have, yeah, we, have, we haven't um, dipped our foot into their penalty here until the 56, whatever. It, 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 look, um, I just, 
Look, the way we're set up, or the way uh, Conti set us up, is this counter-attacking side. A counter-attacking team. That's fine. Um, problem is, uh, you, you know, counter-attacking teams... Uh... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. No out, soak up pressure. And they know how to sustain the ball. And they know how to distribute it. And when they attack, they attack with rapid pace. Now, problem being, we have none of those qualities. None of them. To be the so-called Ream counter-attack inside. Uh, 29 minutes, yeah. Well, because we... Um, also, we're not quick-witted enough, as I said earlier on. We don't move the ball quicker. Our movement is poor. Very poor. We can't work the ball. We're all Jewish, but, I mean, you know, all right, we look at... Um, we look at City, but, look, it pains me to say it. You look at the arse. Whether you like them or not, they're good on the eye. And one of the things that they do is they play the ball so well between the lines. And so is their movement. We haven't got that, lad. We haven't got when we break, if we break, we may have Sean busting a gut to get into the area. We've got no pace. I've been saying it for seasons now. The premiership is, in my opinion, the fastest league on the planet. And we've got no pace. There is a, an alarming lack of pace in that team, be it at the back, in midfield, even going forward. So I'm not surprised it's taken us 29 minutes. <laughs> and even the keepers, the, with the two keepers we've got, couldn't yeah. kick shit. Literally, like... Yeah. Like... Like, no, I thought it was all right. I think his distribution is okay. It's not no, that man. bad. I, I tell you what, well, five or six, he got there about five or six times today. Yeah. I thought he was terrible. They're not for me. It's because Lavisa Sanders are on the floor and Lavisa. I'm surprised it's taken any half hour to get. Uh, we can't handle a press either. Mm. We cannot handle a press. And as I say, I know I'm being repetitive, but the club is in turmoil at the minute. We don't know who the next manager is. Paratich is a bigger dodge pot than I am. <laughs> yeah, the man got done for fiddling, for Christ's sake. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, he is. He's a bigger villain than me. <laughs> and uh, look, we don't know who the manager is. We don't know if Kane's staying. But, um, yep. you, you know, all I can say is 
I, I know I'm going off the, the sort of veering. I'll end it here and there. Look, whoever the next manager is, I just feel you know I'm not a big um, Enoch Levy fan, but I accept that they are our custodians, and we're stuck with them. That's fine. But I will say this. I think it's imperative that the board and Daniel, if you like, get it right. It's imperative because if they get this one wrong, I believe that it could set us back years. In the last few games, Andy, in particular, he's constant singing about Daniel Levy. You know, you've got more uh, chance about Daniel Levy at the moment than, say, Glory, Glory, Tottenham Hotspur and all of all of the Tottenham Hotspur songs that the, the, the away end and, of course, the home uh, crowd normally sing. Um, when you say about getting it right, what do you mean? What do they need to do? And I know that's a, probably a really silly question, but please spell it out for me. Look, look, what look, they I know, need to do. I know it's a gamble. I know it is, but do your research. Do some research about why is it that teams like Brentford, teams like Brian, who haven't got our resources or a big stadium, you know, they haven't got sponsorship from uh, uh, Formula One. I mean, the chances are we're going to win a big Grand Prix before we win a football trophy. <laughs> we'll be waving checking flags about in the stadium. Sir, you know what? Yeah. Remember Graham Hill? What we got to do, do our research. As I said to you, look, the director of football, apparently I have heard that some board members had a quiet word with him to say, look, this man is under police investigation. He still went through with it. Yeah. Don't you think, though, don't you think, don't you think that uh, the board needs to be accountable for the lack of trophies in the I don't think they're accountable at all. I, I think yeah. what they do is they sack the manager or the, the, they don't Where's even get the Where, Okay, I, I don't mean to interrupt there, but um, I think, you know, they should put some football people on the board. Football people that have knowledge of the modern game. Uh, now I know that uh, yeah, Levy is a great businessman. We all know that, but uh, when it comes to football, I'm sorry to say that uh, there are catalogue of failings. You know, it's you know that. <laughs> Look, you're not going to get everything right. I agree. It doesn't. Mean it's fuck all. It's not like not won anything. It's like yeah. we, like the, as a, as a fan, you, you you kind of you you look at their weekend and you go right. We've got a good opportunity here. It's nil-nil. Let's go for it. Let's yeah. really go for it. Let's show the fans that their hard-earned money is for something. And then you see that today, that first half today, like obviously a lot of people saying they want the refunds at half-time and all that kind of jazz. And I was like, I was like going, this is just the same all the time. And you can't, you could have whoever as a manager and you're going to fail if you're not getting back to both. Absolutely. If you're not getting back in, you, you need the tool. I've always said, you're only as good as your weapons that you can go into a fight with. And at the moment, it's like a fist fight in a gunfight, really. Do you know what I, I mean? Just, it's, yeah, it's I boring. just feel that the board needs to bring some football. Play, uh, some... Board needs to, we need to have a different board, I think. But 100%. you're probably right, but we're stuck with them. So I just it's just an sell opinion. Up. Sell up. Just sell up, yeah. Levy. Come on, sell up. Well, it, 
I can't see that happening, though. Can you really? Well, he's got Lady Gaga, and he's got. I can't wait for the Horse of the Year show. <laughs> Cross. Yeah. No, all, all jokes aside, they need to put us on the market for a, yeah. a re realistic selling price, not seven yeah. billion, eight billion, something that is obviously unachievable, and sell up. They're not good enough on a football standpoint. We are football fans first. Yeah. I got involved yeah. in Tottenham Hotspur to follow football, not F1, not Lady Gaga, yeah. not boxing, not whatever else you want to do. I'm a football fan. I only care about football on the pitch. If all if football on the pitch is going great, then fantastic. It's good that we've got F1. It's great that we've got concerts to subsidise everything else. But when it's not going good, and every time you look at your phone, you've got an email about, oh, there's a new Tottenham golf shirt out. Oh, Lady Gaga's coming to town. Oh, Beyonce's going to... It just pisses you off because yeah. that's not what we're here for. I've got to make light of it now because I don't know what to tell you anymore. I agree with you completely. Um, but, you know, who knows? He's probably thinking about monkey tennis. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's because we, we all expected and were told that that money was going to go back onto the pitch. So, of course, yeah. when yeah. we see that we've got the best stadium, when we see that we've got the best training facilities, we all now want the best team in the Premier League. We want to be exactly. challenging. Not only just scraping into a European spot, I either you know the top four or a Europa League spot or Europa Conference League spot. We want to be challenging. We want to be challenging for trophies. We want to be challenging for the Premier League. That is, of course, what all of us want. We want to see success. We want to see entertaining football. Um, we want to see trophies. We want to see the likes of Harry Kane lifting a trophy that you know should have happened by now. Um, Patrick, let's come to you. Let's go back to the game because. Uh, in the 32nd minute, Liverpool had another chance. Harvey Elliott, uh, header just uh, wide from across. Uh, but then we had a period where we could have scored quite a few goals. We did get one back through Harry Kane, but we had a couple of chances. In the 37th minute, Hudmin Son had a shot, cleared off the line. Three minutes later, Harry Kane scored uh, from a Perisic cross. Kane volley, great finish from him. Uh, that is his now 25th elite goal this season, the second player to do so uh, in four campaigns after Alan Shearer. Um, it seemed quite weird, actually, because Liverpool were in full control of the game, but they they conceded after 40 minutes, as I've said, and uh, Harry Kane was waiting in the middle, Pedro Porro was at the back post waiting. Um, the Spurs fans at that point were singing, we're going to win 4-3. Um, how are you feeling at that point when Spurs pulled that goal back through Harry Kane? I was thinking, yeah, about time. We've shown something in the game. We've actually put together a decent phase of attacking play. Uh, Perisic, fantastic. The way he twisted Virgil van Dijk inside out. A good cross across the goal. Kane, fantastic volley. Game on. And I was like, if we get the next goal, it's definitely game one. And I think Liverpool got too complacent and too cocky. The game was almost too easy for them and they just took their foot off the gas. And obviously in the Premier League, you can never do that. And dare I say, we're not a good team. But we've got good attacking players. So if you do, you know, uh, switch off and go to sleep, we can punish you. And that's what happened. Liverpool were out of sight. They should have won that game 4 or 5 nil, going off the first 15 minutes. But obviously, sometimes it's hard to keep that intensity and that same level up. They dipped their levels. Our level was on the floor. There's only We could only go one way. We increased it a bit. And we kind of came back into the game. The second half started and again, we pushed and was on the front foot. Very unlucky on another day. Sonny, fantastic shot from outside the box, hit the post. You know, uh, yep. Romero stretching from, a, I think, was it a Pedro Poe or Perisic cross? I can't remember. Again, it hit the post. You know, we were quite unlucky, unfortunate. Like you said, uh, Sonny having a shot cleared off the line. We definitely had our moments as well. Um, just, you know, we fought. So 
one thing I will say is that obviously right now it hurts and the dust, you know, the dust hasn't settled and we're all looking at it angry that we dropped a point or, you know, the way we lost the game. But we did show fight and desire because Anfield's one of the hardest games to, you know, one of the stadiums in the world. And to be 3-0 down and come back into it, that do- that does show character, definitely. And it shows something. I know we yeah. lost the game and I know people will talk about that. But to get from where we were to get back into that, that is something that we can hold on to. And again, we did that against Man United. So there are signs that something is slightly changing. But of course, when you lose the way we did, that's all you're really going to think about. So right now, we're all hurting because of the way we threw the game away. But there are some positives in there. Um, I don't know. It's just the same old saying, though, isn't it? Like Richard said, it's the same old saying. 3-0 down after 15 minutes. I'm looking at my phone like, this is going to be a cricket score. My phone's blowing up. Everyone else is tweeting me, getting at me again. My WhatsApp yep. group's going crazy. Everyone's messaging me, what's going on with Spurs? What's happening? It's happened again. I'm like, oh, man, please don't let... You know, bank holiday weekend. Do we really need this? So it's just, uh, yeah, frustrating. Really frustrating. Um, the game was there. Not for the... Well, to be fair, Liverpool were there for the taking. They were on the ropes. And on another day as well... You know, I don't want to be one of these guys mourning about decisions, but how is Jota not sent off for that high foot on Oliver Skip? That's a red card all day long in my books. Yeah. And then Konate yeah. put in Richarlison down in the box. Again, that's a penalty. So I don't understand why we didn't we didn't get anything in that game. You know, we all admit Romero's was a red, uh, sorry uh, a penalty, but we didn't get anything in that game. And I'm just a bit bemused as to why we never seem to get these decisions. Teams very rarely get anything at Anfield, if I'm completely honest. Um, Patrick, what did you make of uh, Kulusevski's chance? Four minutes from uh, half-time in the 41st minute, had a chance, saved by Allison's foot, was then cleared. Um, what have you made of Kulusevski so far this season? Because, of course, it was another fantastic signing, uh, as was Rodrigo Bentancur in the January transfer window last, you know, for last season, got us top four uh, with them two playing so well. But what have you made of him this season? Because I think a lot of people expected so much more more from him. Yeah, very underwhelming, if I'm being honest. But when I look at him, I'm looking at a player low in confidence. I can see that he doesn't believe in himself at the moment. The guy's so talented, can beat a man left foot, right foot, inside, outside. You know, he's good at finishing. He's got good delivery. Usually he makes the right decision uh, in terms of either passing or getting his shot off. But this year, since the injury and him coming back, he's not looked himself. I know we've suffered, as in Spurs fans and players in this system, the formation's not allowed our best players to flourish. And I still feel he's just being dragged down. It just looks like he's not really believing in himself at the moment. Just like us who are waiting for the season, as in fans, waiting for the season to finish, he looks like a player who's waiting for the season to finish so he can reset and recharge. It just doesn't look his usual self. And I feel for him because sometimes when you're on that pitch and things aren't going your way, you can almost get swallowed up. And it's almost like he doesn't want the ball. He doesn't want to do the things he's good at. So it's a shame. I really like him. I think he'll come good. Next season, I think you'll see the best of him. It is disappointing considering how good he was, you know, from January to the end of last season to see this drop off. But he is young. He's still acclimatising to the league and uh, everything else. But yeah, if I'm being honest, disappointed. I expected more. But I also have to put it into context. There's a lot going on as to why he is playing the way he is right now. Rich, just a minute from half-time, uh, Hunmin Son hit the post, uh, ball over the top, Hunmin Son brought it down, uh, hit it with his left uh, foot, um, it was then offside, um, half-time it was 3-1. Um, what I did notice uh, that was quite unusual, Hunmin Son yellow card in the 51st minute, um, literally rugby tackling uh, a player down, which seems 
very unusual for Hunmin Son to to give away fouls like that and receive a yellow card. Is that where Ryan Mason is saying that you know we've got to give a little bit more aggression in some of these games? For sure, yeah, for sure. And then you think about obviously Jota getting a yellow card for what he did, and then Sonny for that. No consistency with the decisions at all. Um, I think the referee had had a poor game really, Um, and he 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 got too emotionally involved it with the crowd. I believe. I think he was enjoying the first half too much, and then in the second half he just forgot that he was actually there was rules within the game, and to enforce those rules. And then, obviously, as Liverpool tailed off, some of their rash uh, play and rash tackles came in and he wasn't kind of controlling the the game. So, obviously, we were in our ascendancy and because of that, he should have been refereeing the game accordingly to the rules and not to enjoying the game. I think even at the end of the game, I did see the referee and he was like, "This this is quite, yeah quite a good game that was and I'm like going no you missed too many decisions the away team got nothing we got nothing from that game like like Andy and Patrick said and I think when he looks back at it and maybe on on the Monday or Tuesday when they analyse the game they'll go actually Liverpool were quite lucky but going back to the Kuliseski um, uh, conversation as well I think because he's young obviously the intensity of the, the, the Premier League uh, obviously, he's now played over a season of Premier League football, but he's also played a World Cup in between that as well. I think him and Romero, again, fatigue syndrome come into, into play. Um, there was a couple of times when I just thought, he's just not got the legs. There was a one-on-one with Salah when, I don't know who it was, I think it was maybe uh, Pedro uh, Porro pushed it down the wing and Salah was chasing back and he beat uh, Kuliseski to the ball and I was like going... Yeah. Like, we've got no pace. Like young lad, he's meant to have pace. He's meant to be a player that that takes on players, confident in front of goal. I think the the chance he had, a little bit more to the right, it had probably just about crept in. Um, he didn't hit it purely. I think again, it was a bit of a scuff. I think he was just wanting to get the shot off um, rather than actually uh, try and work the work the work the play into a better position. Uh, but Kuliseski, I think, like Patrick, will be um, will be a good player for the future. He's very young. Um, he's now he's now got that season under his belt, and I think he can build on that next year. But we need to have that manager and that methodology to work, m- make sure the players that are in their best positions and work towards their attributes, and then have Plan Bs coming off the bench or or options uh, for different games. I think one of the one of the points that I will make, is sometimes when I've watched this play at home and away, we've just not been dynamic enough. I think we've tried to play a system away from home that's not worked, and then we've tried to have something different at home, and the players have not really been known where actually where they should be. So that first like 20 minutes, I was like going, look, we've got holes all over the place. Like, Alexander Arnold looked like a world-class player in that first 20 minutes. He was pinging balls left, right and centre, because there were so many gaps. And I think that was a problem. And Kuliskeski, again, that first 20 minutes, he was no... I don't think don't think he touched the ball for the first half an hour. It was a very different second half, though, Rich, because in the, in the 54th minute, just a minute of madness, because we hit the post twice. Hunmin Son uh, hit the post first. And then, of course, uh, Romero from across hit the post. How are you feeling at that point? Because... 
what what do you what do you think Ryan Mason said to the players at half time? Because we've seen like, like like I said earlier, we've seen it so often this season under various different managers that we've come out in the second half like a completely different team with a completely different attitude. For sure, you're pressing the ball, we were hungry for it. Um players like I, I don't know what the difference was in the first half to the second half with Skippy, but he was like he was turning with the ball and he was looking for that quick pass. Where the where the first half, both him and Hoyerberg were keeping the ball, trying to pass little dinky one-twos in between themselves, just getting cut down far too. They were far too slow, lost possession six or seven times. It's ridiculous. Second half, I think they'd obviously had a kick up the arse, but also understood that they could be going into half-time 3-2. They were still in the game. They still had... I think that goal was really important. It gave the team hope. Uh, and I think Ryan was obviously kind of trying to work off that and say, look, guys, look, we're still in this game. We still, we still believe that we can get something out of this game. Let's utilise the ball more effectively. Let's take care of that ball. And let's try and find space. I think against Man United, what I was noticing is like Kane and Son were heavily marked so they couldn't turn on the ball. Well, Liverpool, in the second half, they gave Sonny uh, and, and Harry far too much room to dissect their back four. And obviously, their back four is a bit flaky, not as bad as ours, but is a bit flaky, especially with Trent in the back four. Andy, let's come to you. In the 57th minute, Pedro Poirot had a shot from 20 yards. Alisson saved. Uh, eight minutes later, Jota header over the bar. Uh, Spurs then made a sub in the 66th minute. Kulisevsky off, Saar on. Van Dijk with a shot just wide in the 73rd minute. And then Spurs pulled another goal back, making it 3-2 in the 77th minute. Udmin Son with the finish. Uh, a great ball through from Romero, but a wonderful finish from Udmin Son. Um, it's fair to say that Udmin Son has struggled all season, but what a wonderful finish from him again. Yeah, um, I have to say, uh, it was, yeah. Um, do you think it, it's a coincidence that he has? Look, he's, guys, we know that he's, overall, he's had a poor season. If we're brutally honest, yeah. someone's had a poor season by his standards. Yeah. But I've noticed, and I'm sure you guys have as well, that since Conte's gone, he's actually, do you not think that he's actually stepped up his game? He's come to the front. And he's yeah. scored a few more goals recently. I, I, now, I don't know if, it, if um, yeah, Ryan Mason has set him in play with the handbrake off, you know, I, but. Yes, it was a good goal, and he has. Um, he's uh, he's taking players on again. He's um, and he's scoring again. And perhaps it's just a coincidence. I I, I wish I had the answer, but he is playing better. Um, Poirot, um, as you guys were saying, maybe look, maybe he'll be a better player next season. At the moment, I don't mean to be critical. The jury's out for me with him um, at the moment. Um, as I say, I don't quite believe in wing-backs. Um, this guy can't defend. He's got no sense of positioning. Yeah, he had a shot. It was good. And he actually scored a good goal um, against Man U. Yeah. He's, uh, he's caught that beautifully with the outside of his foot. Top right-hand corner, just where you put the... Um, First class stand that is. 
lovely goal. Um, jury's out a minute. Um, I, I agree with Rich and Patrick regarding Kulichewski. Andy, sorry, can, can, I, can I ask you, um, Emerson Royale or Pedro Poro for you? Come on, Chris. Oh, all right, let's be bright. Come on, man. At the moment, look, at the Come moment, I, I mean, I, I've got to say, um, Emerson, simply for nah, his... No chance. No, no, that's no. why I asked. That's no, why I no. asked. You know, Chris is still disappointed that we got rid of Doherty. Well, look, <laughs> to be honest, Brett, look, you know, I'll soon if I could. I'll, I'll be buying Cyril Knowles, mate. Get him back. You? Uh, oh, tomorrow, I answer, look, we paid 42 mil for him. We had a, a young lad there called Spence who could have played that role. Less than half the money we paid for him. But we overpaid for him. That kid now had been thrown under a bus, in my opinion. You know, that kid got, had Martinelli in his pocket last season where Royal... I do believe got sent off, couldn't handle him. Spence could have done what Poirot done, but he, but I'm sorry to say, um, Conti being stubborn and, and uh, inflexible threw the kid under a bus. Now he's out in France where he don't want to be. Um, we, we didn't need Poirot. Look, he may prove me wrong, um, but um, what not, do you think? What what do you think will happen then, Andy, next season? Because, of course, a new manager will come in. Um, or dare I say it, Ryan Mason could continue the job. Uh, we'll come on to that shortly. Um, your face is just saying it all there. Um, but having three right wing-backs, Emerson Royale, uh, Pedro Poirot, Jed Spence, who would you play? Well, I don't know. I think that, uh, I think it's become uh, Tottenham's philosophy to collect as many as, as they can. Um, but who would you play? Uh, I, I want to see us. As, I mean, Patrick mentioned it. I'd actually like to see us go to a back four. I really do think we've got to tear up the whole script. Um, and start. Again. I don't think there is one. Uh, no, this yeah. isn't a script. No, I've read it. It's crap. Uh, <laughs> you didn't take the part on, you know. You didn't uh, take it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who the next manager is. If I, if, if I was Nostradamus, guys, I could tell you to be Neil Warnock. <laughs> Imagine. But I, I, I really don't know. I'd love to see, idealistically, I would love to see um, a young, bright manager with fresh ideas. Um, look, Guys, why is it that teams like Brentford can do it, Brighton can do it, bring in managers? There are managers about that can do it. Why is it that they can do it and we can't? Because they have a good structure. They have a plan. Yeah. They have an identity. They have exactly. a philosophy. But even if the manager changes, i.e. Graham Potter to Deserby, yeah. everything else stays the same around them. Their yeah. scouting system yeah. is, is second to none. Exactly. They, have core, they have core values and ideals, and we don't have that. We don't have a DOF because obviously no. we all know what's going on there. Daniel Levy is not a footballing person. He kept saying he was going to step away from footballing activities and leave that to the football guys. But then every time I read a report, it's Daniel Levy is on the hunt for a new manager. You know, we're looking to sign. For example, uh, we all I I love James Madison. I think he's a, he's a fantastic player. There's a lot of talks that we're in for him in the summer. 
how can we be in for a guy when we don't have a manager or a DOF? So who's making that decision, i.e. it's Daniel Levy, someone who shouldn't be making footballing decisions? So this is the problem. We just don't have... I mean, Harry yeah. Kane sat down with Sky and said that it looks like we've lost our identity since Poch. And he's right. I mean, this is something we we could have told you four years ago, three years ago. So Patrick, until all of those things change... We'll come on to talk about that in a minute. OK, cool, cool. No worries. Yeah. Um, let's let's just finish uh, talking about the game and I'll come on to talk about those subjects, I promise. Um, in the 79th minute, Pierre-Mihoibier had a great chance, headed just wide. And then in the last minute of the game, Dan Juma and Lucas Moura came on. Perisic and Pedro Porro went off. Uh, Richarlison went down in the penalty area. It looked like he'd been grabbed. And, you know, as you've rightly said, that it should have been a penalty. Uh, then six minutes of added time. In the dying seconds, Richarlison scored a header. I can't believe that we are talking about Richarlison scoring his first Premier League goal for Spurs on the 30th of April, 2023, with four games to go. Um, Patrick, a great finish from Richarlison. Um, headed it down, went into the uh, the back of the net. How are you feeling at that point? Did you finally, did you did you really think that we were going to come away from, from Anfield with a point today? Yeah, I was celebrating. I got up, I was screaming, I was shouting, let's go, yes, he's done. And I was so happy for Richarlison because he's been under so much stick this season and he's been unlucky. There's been a few tight calls of VAR where he's been so unfortunate. Great finish against Nottingham Forest. And there's a few other close calls or close shaves where he could have had four, five, maybe six goals now. Obviously, he's been injured as well. Not really rotated as much as we would have liked. So very unfortunate. So for him to get his first goal in that manner against Liverpool, I thought it was so... It was like a script had been written, especially when he came on. They were booing him because, obviously, of his Everton, you know, yeah. uh, ties. So, I thought it was fantastic. He deserved it. We deserved it because it looked like there was only one team pushing uh, to get another goal and it was us. And then, literally, within two seconds, obviously, we all know what happened. And crazy, crazy. But I thought, fantastic for Richarlison. And hopefully, that can spur him on. Like, excuse the pun. There's only a few games left. He's been craving that goal. You can see it. The good thing I like about Richarlison is that even though he hasn't scored and even though the chips have been against him, he's never shied away. He's never come on and looked, you know, shrugged his shoulders up or not got on with it. He's pressed from the front. He's been a nuisance. Even in games where he hasn't scored, like I think when we were that away to Chelsea beginning of the season, he came on and completely changed the game. He's always a pest. He always offers something. Maybe his finishing hasn't been as good as it could have been. Or obviously, you know, sometimes his passing is a bit astray. But... I, I do think there's a player in there and um, I do like his commitment. And we talk about players hiding away and not willing to give their all. He is someone that never shies away. He's always on, you know, on the front foot, always pressing from the front. You can see he cares. The emotion's always there. You see, when he scored, he ran to the away fans. I like all that type of stuff. So, yeah. fantastic to get the goal. It's a shame that that wasn't, you know, the defining moment of the game. Rich, when, when we work so hard to bring it back to 3-3, and you are talking about literally a few seconds left of the game. How on earth do those players not get over the line and get us a point at Anfield? And we come back, you know, to London celebrating a point after, you know, coming back from 3-0 down after 15 minutes. You know, all of us would have been absolutely ecstatic on this uh, podcast. And of course, you know, people, uh, you know, going back to London today from Anfield. Um, how on earth did we not get over the line and get that draw today? Mistakes. Frailty at the back, um, mismanagement of the game. At that point, it should be everybody behind the ball. Uh, none of this, like, no-look passes, none of this kind of 
passes back to the keeper. You put that ball rose anywhere but backwards. You've got seconds left, literally seconds. Yeah. You pass the ball backwards, that's a risk. You put put the ball in the stands, they're not going to score from there. Even if they did, even if he did that, it was just a wrong decision. Um, and even any professional would know, obviously, how important that goal was. How important that that goal was to the team. Yeah, it was so like I know every Spurs fan, every Tottenham fan at home was screaming at the screen. I have friends that sent me messages. Yes, that's amazing. Like, can't believe come back into the game after being dead and buried after 20 minutes. And yeah. just the euphoria of actually something to build off. Uh, and I think we have got positives from the game, but only small, small, small ones. But the the amount the, 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 the amount that we would have got from from that if we would have drawn today. But it just showed, like I said at the start, it shows our season. That like flat to deceive. Like we know we've got the firepower in front. Um, I don't think the system works for all the players. I think Richarlison, I think in the position he plays, because he's playing out wide, it's not his best position. Uh, he's not a Rashford kind of player that can come inside and beat somebody. He's more that that kind of somebody that the ball can swing into and he can get on top of it or he can hold it and then, then score. Um, so maybe we need to look at that for next season, um, depending on what we do with Harry. But yeah, just really, really disappointed. I think um, when Richarlison scored, I thought first to come away with that, and then manage the game. What? How many games this season have we thrown away games towards the end of the game? Last fifteen minutes. I think there was a stat in the Man United game. I think we conceded. Is it ten or eleven goals in the last fifteen minutes? Well- it's really poor starts, Rich, and really poor finishes. Yeah. It's the start of games and the end of games. Yeah, Mentality as well, Patrick said earlier, mentality is obviously really poor. Um, you need to play not to 90 minutes, but 99 minutes now, don't you really? You need to have that, that engine, you need to have that mentality to finish games off. But also you need to know if you've got as much as you can get out of the game, there's no way we're going to go on to win that after because with the amount of attacking players on, on the pitch, the, yeah. the, the win or bust mentality, we always bust. So at that point, 3-3, three, three, uh, everybody behind the ball, Harry needs to get back. It literally needs to be, we need to be fighting for the ball, not giving it away, fighting for the ball, fighting for the point, and then yeah. take that point away from Liverpool. That would have been the ideal today. Well, Stephen writes here, two excellent halves of football. Uh, we were forced to high press and we were excellent. So, stands to reason. Stop the counter-attack and start high press. We're overthinking this. Um, now, Andy, I want to come to you. Um, I want to talk about uh, Ryan Mason and the next managerial uh, job. Um, Tottenham, of course, you know, we're all expecting Spurs to employ a new manager in the summer. I wouldn't be at all surprised um, if Spurs end up giving the job to Ryan Mason. I really wouldn't, because when, when you look at the two games that he has managed so far, they may see this as a real positive. They may see it as though, you know, we were 2-0 down against Man United. We come back and we drew 2-2. We were 3-0 down at Liverpool. We, we came back. There's some real positives. You guys have already said there's positives from today. A number of people in the chat have said that there are a lot of positives from today. If Ryan Mason delivers four fairly decent performances and decent results and get uh, gets us into a European spot, i.e. the Europa League, 
Andy, do you think that Spurs could offer the job to Ryan Mason on a permanent basis? Um, I wonder if Daniel Levy is listening to you. Um, Hold on. I'm not saying that this is what I want. I'm saying no. that this <laughs> is a possibility. I'm saying this is a possibility that Tottenham could, could do this because... If I'm honest, if uh, I'm going to ask you all the question as well, who you'd like as the manager and who you think Spurs will employ as the manager. Um, yes. let, let, let me just say this before you before you answer the question. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Spurs went for someone like Brendan Rodgers, but I think that I would love to see someone like Julian Nagelsmann come in at the club right now because you said, Andy, a young manager with fresh ideas. I believe that Julian Nagelsmann would be that person. But I believe that a manager, you know, certainly now after what we've gone through since Pochettino left, I believe that some manager now coming in, they've got to have control. They've got to have a lot more control than, you know, what these previous managers have had. And where we're talking about all these club signings like Dan Juma and Jed Spence that Antonio Conte didn't want, that simply cannot happen. So I think the club need to change the way that they've done things. Um, anyway, Andy, I, I, over to you with the questions that I've asked. Um, yeah. Um, look, Ryan Mason, actually, as you say, look, he's actually done a good job. Yes, he has. But my opinion is, look, if you want, you know, Ryan Mason wants to be manager, that's great. The thing is, I think he should, as a young manager, cut his teeth in League 2 or 1. I think, you know, uh, um, yeah, that's right. If you serve his apprenticeship at somewhere, um, I don't know, like Wimbledon or, um, look, I've seen quite a bit of um, League Two. I get myself down the Orient. Um, they play some good enterprise in football. Um, and it's nice once in a while to stand up and say, um, stand up for the champions. You won't hear that a lot down at Tottenham. But, um, I, yeah, um, going back to Ryan Mason, yes, why not cut his teeth at, at a League One side or a League Two where he can gain some experience as a manager and, uh, you know, have that day-to-day -day running of a football team? Um, you have a point there, uh, Chris. Uh, yeah, perhaps the board will see it as I would look. Yeah, well, why don't we get him in? We've got Conference League or whatever the given competition is if we get six or, 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 or whatever, and we get a bit of Europe. Um, I would just like to see, uh, yeah, when I mean a young manager, yeah, a, a young manager that's had some some more experience. Um, Nagelsmann could be good, yes. Um, he's done very well at, uh, at uh, uh, Leipzig and um, got the um, the club before that, before he got on uh, uh, company would be a, a risky but interesting choice because, again, uh, I like him as well. The reason being is that he's changed the entire ethos of um, Burnley. Burnley lost a lot of big players when they went down. He's brought some kids in, he brought some, and it works. Although I know it's a big jump into a uh, uh, into the Premiership. But we're talking about a, uh, a player that's won leagues, that's won recently as well. Um, he could be an interesting choice if we uh, don't get uh, Nagelsmann. Um, but you're right, we'll probably get Brendan Rodgers. 
You're probably right. We'll probably end up, we'll end up getting Rogers. But I would, I'm being idealistic. I would like to see uh, a manager that uh, encourages enterprising football, uh, a team that starts on the front foot, a team that believes in a midfield, uh, uh, you know, and that can encourage the youth you know unfortunately our academy in the last couple of seasons has, has been well it's been damaged uh the under 18s are not doing too bad at the moment they've won a they've won a trophy but the under 21s are seriously suffering and that is i think that's down to um well so conti didn't help youngsters he didn't want to know um now if we go back to pochettino he knew every academy players first name he, he knew who they were which was encouraging um and anyway, i'm rambling on but yes uh back to ryan mason i think he should cut in uh, uh cut his teeth uh on a team maybe in uh yeah league two or, or league one yeah the uh the under 18s actually are in a cup final this thursday at villa park uh yes. Aston Villa. so the best of luck to them um if anyone's listening to this on an audio platform it is worth uh tuning into the youtube version just to see patrick's face when i mentioned ryan mason and then when andy mentioned brendan rogers you know go to that bit as well because uh, patrick's face was an absolute picture on both occasions patrick who would you like to see as the next spurs boss and who do you think spurs will employ as fans of a massive football club who pay astronomical prices to go to games and season tickets, we're sold that we're a big club. We moved to the stadium to push our club to the next level. Fantastic training facilities, yada, yada, all of this rubbish. And then you're talking about Brendan Rodgers, of all due respect, and even Ryan Mason, who I like the guy, but he's so young in his career. The job's too big for him. They get swallowed and chewed up alive. We need a good manager to come in and actually... You know, we talk about having no identity. We talk about having no style of play, no philosophy. Uh, a manager that comes in and can integrate and bring the, the youth system, uh, attach it to the, the club. There's a pathway for the young players coming through. We have so many talented kids that don't ever touch the first team. They have to go to other teams to play. And then we see them a couple of years later and they look fantastic. And we're like, why didn't this guy get a run out? Because the manager's only here for the short term, the here and now. So they can't bring these players in and, and bring them through. So for me, it has to be a Julian Nagelsmann. Or my, I mean, my three from when, as soon as uh, Jose, not Jose, sorry, Conte, Jose Conte, same thing. But it would have been Nagelsmann, Pochettino or Marcelo Gallardo. So obviously Pochettino looks like he's almost off the, off the, out of the picture now, which... To see him go to Chelsea would be heartbreaking. But my first choice was Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann, by the sounds of it, we're talking to him, sounding him out. He likes the look of our uh, of the job. We like the look of him. He's only 35. He's young. He's hungry. He's got a point to prove. He plays fantastic football. He's young enough to still not be alienated by the, by the players. He can obviously build them. He coaches well. He's done well wherever he's been at, even at uh, uh, sorry, Munich. I was shocked when they got rid of him because his record there was fantastic. What He had won eight out of eight in the Champions League. They were like one point off top in their league and he was doing really well there. So for me, he's the obvious pick and the obvious candidate. If it's not Pochettino, it has to be Nagelsmann. All these other guys, they're not good enough. Brendan Rodgers, sorry, the guy isn't good enough. 
He left Leicester in a big mess. Yes, he won a trophy there, but if you look at the the pros and cons, for me, he's not good enough. Bottled uh, a massive title running uh, at Liverpool where they should have got across the line as well. It's not good enough for me, and I don't understand why Spurs fan. I mean, I know you're not saying that you want him, Chris. You're just asking the question. But any Spurs fan that is talking about Brendan Rodgers, your standards are too low, and we need to aim higher as a club and as a fan no, base. I would love to see Nagelsmann in. Um, same yeah. as you. Um, but my worry is, are Spurs going to give someone like him the control that he wants and needs? And and it's funny how I say this because whatever manager comes in, I believe that they should have the the control anyway. Um, you know, certainly when they're certainly when they're signing players, and you know, for someone like Antonio Conte, a serial <clears> winner, <throat> been there, done it, got the t-shirt. If someone like that is not in control of his own signings, then what's what's it going to be like for someone else coming in? But I think we need to learn from our mistakes. I can understand, you know, with the Conte thing, I can almost, I don't side with Daniel Levy, but I understand why he possibly didn't give him the keys to the kingdom because Conte is too volatile and he'll never get tied down. Whenever something goes wrong, he'll never take ownership of it and accountability. It's always, oh, it's them, it's them, it's not me. But he also made mistakes. And also when you're not tying yourself down to a long-term contract, do you really invest in someone like that and then they end up, Effing off, excuse my French, after you know another six months and you're left, you know, in the mire with all of these again, hundred wing backs, no centre midfielders, no but if you get someone like a Nagelsman or a Pochettino, you bring them in on a three or four year contract and then you build and you know that there's that trust, they don't feel they're bigger than the club, they're happy to be here and we can build together. So for me, that's what we need. Someone obviously who's good enough first and foremost. Secondly, who wants to be here, is happy to be here. And is looking to build with the club, i.e. bring you through, coach players, and not just worry about the here and now, but you're also looking three or four years down the line. Because Jose and, and Conte, fantastic managers, but they were also they were only here for the here and now. Win now managers, so you give them the tools to win now. We didn't, and obviously they both went tits up. So for me, basically everything I just said, you know, bringing a hungry manager with a point to prove, that's happy to be here, will invest in the club, well, obviously bring the signings in and we'll also look at the club, invest in youth, be ruthless as well. Uh, Eric Dyer, Ben Davies, you know, even um, uh, even Oliver Skip, dare I say it, or whoever it is, if they're not good enough, move them on and then we go again. What do you think, Rich? Yeah, um, I would go with the two uh, candidates that Patrick said, for sure. Um, I think for me... Um, it's really important for the fans that when we appoint the manager that we literally put all the contracts on hold at the moment until the manager's uh, in place. Uh, yeah. So the manager can um, look at the squad and that's including the players that's out on loan um, and decide the ones that he wants and then obviously uh, build that squad for the, the coming season. I think that's really important. But also the manager that comes in needs to front up to the fans around the f philosophy and um, not just who he is as a manager, but also where he sees the the, the coming seasons and, and, and how he's going to develop the team. And aspirationally as well, um, I think it was, it was fantastic getting Mourinho in and getting managers like that and then saying, we're going to challenge for the Premier League, where... They were never going to do that. In my eyes, they're never going to do that because Levy was never going to give give them the two, three hundred million to to splash on those kind of uh, 
players that are going to have that impact. Those Casemiro players that are going to sit in the in the middle of the the field and really dictate play because he, he's never done that in the past. When we've recruited, the recruitment's been very poor. We need to change the recruitment so the manager needs to be part of that recruitment and not just a bystander. He needs to say, this is my player that I want and this is how he's going to fit into our, our play. And also, the manager that comes in needs to go, well, I've been watching Spurs over the last one, two seasons and these are the things that I think are, are, are wrong with the, the club and the, and the, the team. And let's, let's change that. And it needs to be all through the club. And like, you, you know, Chris, obviously, not only uh, the 21s, the first team, but also the women's team as well. We've got, yeah. we've got failure through the team. And that does affect the mentality of the club, for sure. I've been into the club this, this season. I was lucky enough to go in to do a, a talk with the, the women's team at the start of the season. And um, it seemed to be uh, collectively a, a great... A group of coaches and, and young players, but I think what you need—you need that nastiness in the team. You need that leadership. You need the bite. You need somebody that's gonna like suffer. And you, you know, when you listen to the teams that are successful, they always talk about the the level of suffering. But that just show that as well. It's not like Hoyerberg talking about sometimes we need to suffer. No, you need to suffer every game. You need to give one hundred and ten percent. You need to come off the pitch absolutely exhausted. Sonny today was the last person from the team off the pitch and he was gutted. He'd given his all, he'd ran his socks off. Yes, he'd given away possession a little bit, but he'd given everything. Did I see that for the players? No, I didn't. And that's it, what we need to see. Yeah, it's always Son and Kane. Um, they always come over to the away fans, always. Yeah, yeah, those two. Uh, they're the best at doing that. Um, and just going back to your point on the women's team, they've had some horrific injuries this season, yeah. which really haven't helped. Um, Rich, just just a quick yes or no. Would you be surprised if Spurs appointed Mason as the next permanent manager? I don't see, I don't see how they can. I don't see how they can. I, I, think, I think there'll be a massive uprising from the fans because... You're not going to attract the players that we need to attract to get top four. I just don't. I, I think it's a step backwards. I, I think. But, um, but when people say we need a young and up and coming manager, yeah, and when you've got Ryan Mason, when you've got it? Mason at the first conference saying, you know, basically he's come out and said, I want the job. But you would thought, do. You would do. It's a gold. It's a golden ticket, isn't it? It's a golden ticket, and to be able to. But it's it's a free hit for him as well if he's successful amazing and he's one of our own and he's successful if he's yeah. not successful he gave a go he gave it a go well that's not good enough giving it a go isn't good enough i just i just because yeah. you're best mates with harry kane isn't good enough it, 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 yeah. for me you, we we need to have a manager that comes in that changes the whole philosophy around the club he isn't yeah. that character he doesn't he, he even in his interviews i don't I, I, uh, I I just don't see it. I don't see it. I, for me, I'd be very disappointed, and I don't see how the club has aspirations to get back into the Champions League. If yeah. that's the case, I, I would say, uh, am I, would I be surprised? I think I still would be surprised. I think it's it's an easy route, but I don't think it's a route that uh, even Daniel Levy would take just because it would save him a bit of money. 
Patrick, I'm, I'm going to jump to you on this next subject because uh, I know you wanted to talk about the Harry Kane Sky interview. Um, we're just going to talk about Harry Kane, then we're going to just talk very briefly about the next game against Crystal Palace. So it won't be too much longer. Um, Patrick, on the Harry Kane Sky interview, um, what did you make of Harry Kane's comments? Because a lot of pundits and a lot of fans have come out and said it's great about what he said. That they, they feel that he might be at the club next season and perhaps beyond. Uh, some people have criticised him for not uh, calling certain things out or certain players out. What did you make of the interview? I mean, he said nothing he said isn't what we were already thinking and already know. Harry Kane's very smart. He never strays too far from the middle of the line. So, you know, he'll say something, but it's never sensational. He'll never really give you what he's really thinking. Very well-spoken, very media-trained. Just, you know, toes the line. Says enough, but doesn't say... A, says a little, but doesn't say a lot. Same way when Daniel Levy had his Cambridge interview. He answered questions where they were short and sharp, and it almost leaves you to then take away what you want to take away from it. So, like, people are like, oh, Harry Kane's staying, he loves the club. But you can look at it the other way. He's just, it's not really, you can't really digest or di divulge too much into it. But everything he said is what we already know. Um, we haven't been good enough this season. You know, we have lost our identity. We already know, knew that. And with the whole Conte and, and, uh, uh, and Mourinho appointments, I understand where Levy was going. He wanted to win now. We were all screaming out for trophies. But it probably would have been better if he would have went down the project route dare I say and we would have built to this moment because it would have been more sustainable and we would have still had something where you rip it up for Jose you rip it up for Conte and now we've got to start again and unfortunately we're starting again with nothing to show for the other three or four years so um yeah Kane I like the fact that Kane does come out and talk he doesn't shy away from it other people are like why does Kane always have to talk get someone else but if Kane doesn't come out and talk people will be saying why isn't Kane talking he's our talisman not our captain per se, but he is a captain. He's the, he's the face of the club. So I do rate it that he's come out and said it. But I wish he would just say a bit more than what he says, if you get what I mean. Like, sometimes it's, if you're going to come out and talk, talk. But again, maybe then people will say you've gone too too far. You're telling, giving too much away. So he can't win, can he? He's damned if he does. I've got a question to that then. So if like, yeah. we get Nangelsman, say, he comes and then Levy says we're cashing on Kane and we do a rebuild like Bale. Would you reckon? Do you reckon that would be that be a wise thing to do to properly rebuild and have somebody like uh, Richarlison up there and then have have like that kind of money? As long as there's a plan, fans won't be happy. But maybe as long as we can see some sort of plan and and philosophy and identity, maybe then we can get behind it. Because what if Nagelsmann comes in and says, "You know what? For for me to get what I need, Kane has to go." Then what happens? Is is there a sound off between the fans and the coach? Because ultimately, if we trust Nagelsmann to come in and do the rebuild, there might be a few uncomfortable conversations. He might turn around and say, I'm not feeling this Son and Kane partnership. One of them needs to go. I want to bring in someone else. So everyone said, you know, we scream and cry for Nagelsmann or Poch, but top managers will come in with their own plans. And it, we, might not like to, we might not like it to begin with. But what if Nagelsmann comes in says he doesn't want Son or Kane, and then we go three or four games unbeaten, then what happens? Will the fans still stick by him, knowing it's a long-term thing? Or will we start screaming, you know, and moaning in the stadium because we're not happy with what we see? So this is the thing. Fans have to understand that it can be quite rough to begin with. So good point, Richard. I don't know. I would like to think if we do get a top manager in, I'll give him the time. If it's someone like Brendan Rodgers or Ryan Mason, no chance. And I like Ryan Mason. I don't want him. I, I'm not singling him out. 
but he's too he's too too you know immature and too young to be a manager at Spurs right now, especially this Spurs. If it was Spurs that had been built under a Nagelsmann or a Poch and he had left them and we could see an identity, we could see a foundation and he's just coming in to build off that, fantastic. But not right now. We're in too much of a mess. This is probably the biggest job and appointment that we've had in a long ter- time in terms of getting it right. So it can't be someone like a Ryan Mason. He's too. He's not ready. He's not ready for it's the a, job. It's like it's like the Steven Gerrard situation with Villa yeah. and Lampard with Chelsea. I just I just don't think they've they've really built their career well, that, to actually gain that exactly gain that exactly. But that's why I was saying to you guys, where look, Ryan Mason could become a good manager, but cut his teeth in the yeah. lower leagues. Exactly. Learn, learn your craft down there. You, you don't. Mm. I, you know, it's, it's like any other, um, well, almost like any other profession. You don't just catapult your way to the top without working yeah, and yeah. gaining experience. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah. um, sorry, guys, I didn't mean to interject. Who, who do the who do the comments want as manager? Then who do who does who do the? It's all very mixed, Mitch. It's it's, it's yeah. all very very mixed, and of course we 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 have no idea of who is going to be appointed the next Spurs manager. But I thought I'd throw it out there because when I saw the Ryan Mason press conference and he and he pretty much come out and said I want the job, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Spurs went down that that option. Nothing would surprise me anymore. We're, we're yeah, you would do that. You would do. It's golden ticket. Of course, you would do. It's like maybe we save thousands if you are hazing. I mean, I'm being a bit cynical, but you know, uh, he's a he'll save a lot of bunks. Andy, what does your gut tell you? Do you think that Harry Kane will be a Spurs player next season? Will he see out his contract until the end and then leave on a free transfer? How do you see this panning out? Oh, God, if I was Nostradamus, I could tell you. Um, I had the gifts of. Um, I, 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 because I, if, I, if you were Harry Kane, what, what, what would be going through your mind if you were Harry Kane right now? Well, um, I, I mean, well, it could be a case of, well, look, I've had it with a slot. You know, he could go to United, I don't know. Um, or is it a case where um, he does... All right, let me just see from this angle where he does see out his contract and he goes on a free transfer. Ridiculous, but um yeah, I don't know. Hasn't he got another kid on the way? Yeah, he yeah. does. Yeah, he does. Oh yeah. Well, well I, I, you know, um on the other hand, can you really I can't really see him going abroad to Europe. Um no, what's that yeah, I mean, he could go up to Manchester, you know, take an umbrella up there with him, yeah. Um, and Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea no, would be no, comfortable, no. wouldn't it, I'm really? Telling you, I'm yeah. telling you, you look at their team, what they're missing. Yeah. I'm telling yeah, you, that, that's where he's going. Anyway. Yeah, running around with all the Sloanies and that, and <laughs> calling people Not a Paul, Paul it, and, you know, Hello, darling, you can come into my world. But, um... um I, That's what Pochettino will say. I'm telling you, he'll say, "I want one player." Yeah, and, I, I tell you, what, what, what on earth we doing? What on earth we doing to Patrick? You're saying Carry Kane's going to Chelsea. I'm saying Mason's going to take the job. Andy's saying Brendan Rodgers is going to get the job. What are we doing to him? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> look, I tell you what. Before, I, I, look, um, whoever gets the Tottenham job, whether it's Nagelsmann or Rodgers, whoever. 
they have seriously got their work cut out for them. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you know, as you guys said, look, he's going to walk in, as, as Patrick says, he'll be thinking, right, you, 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 you and you and you. Oh, and by the way, you and all, out you go. And we're going to have to, he's going to have to rebuild and it's going to, it could take several seasons. This is why I said to you earlier on in the programme that the Bolden Levy have seriously got to look at themselves and seriously got to get this right. Uh, because if they don't, it could, I mean, I'm being somewhat histrionic, but if they don't get this right, this could seriously set us back. Um, because who knows? I mean, look now. We're, yeah, we've got the big stuff. Everything else. Um, will we? Be, if it all goes wrong, how much of a proposition will we be as a big club to a manager? I think it's fair to say, though, Andy, that it has set us back since 2019. Since we yes. sacked Pochettino, we have really been set back in a number of decisions that the the club have made. So I, I think that, that there's there's proof there. There's enough proof there. Yeah, I know, but I'm just it could even get worse, is what I'm worse, saying. Yeah. Yeah. Look, you know, there are big clubs like us who have, who have struggled, who have gone down. Who have, yeah, it, um, as I say, I, I just think the ball have got to get this right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Last, uh, last thing to talk about. Of course, Spurs have four games left in the Premier League. Crystal Palace up next. Uh, on Saturday the 6th of May. Uh, they are currently 11th in the Premier League table. They have been flying under Roy Hodgson. Uh, six games in charge since his return. Four wins, one draw, one defeat. Uh, and then after that, we face Aston Villa away, Brentford at home and Leeds United away. Uh, Aston Villa are now fighting for a European spot, as are Brentford. Leeds United are fighting for a place uh, in the Premier League. So these are all four very, very difficult games. Um, Patrick, let's start with you. Um, since Roy Hodgson has returned, uh, Palace have had a 2-1 win against Leicester, a 5-1 win against Leeds, a 2-1, uh, sorry, a 2-0 win against Southampton, a 1-1 draw against Everton, 2-0 defeat against Wolves, and only yesterday, a 4-3 win at home against West Ham at Selhurst Park. Um, many people raised their eyebrows when Patrick Vieira was sacked and Roy Hodgson come back, but it seems that this has been a fantastic decision for Crystal Palace. Yeah, it has, because, um, you know, we all liked Patrick Vieira, a youngish manager. I mean, obviously, forget his Arsenal ties, you know, we never liked him for that reason. But in terms of coming in as a manager, he looked good when he first came in. They went on a long streak of not winning the game, uh, and it kind of went under the radar until we all noticed it. And they was really struggling for confidence. And Hodgson's come in and really picked them up. They've got some good attacking players Eze's looks really good. Elise's fantastic on the ball. I would actually like Elise at our team. I think he's yeah. really good in the middle of the park and he knows yeah. how to link up play. He, he, he's, he's really good at finding uh, players and breaking lines. I think he'd be a fantastic addition for us, to be fair. Really good player. Obviously, we all know what Zaha can do. And then you've got other guys at like IU who, on his day, can score a goal or two. So they've got a decent front line. And uh, watching them yesterday and over the last couple of weeks, they do play decent attacking football. So they will be... I expect Spurs to beat them when, when they come to our ground. But if we play the way we've been playing in the first half, again, we could be two or three goals down before we actually wake up and start to play. So um, we need to respect them because they are in good form at the moment. But if we play how we've been playing in the second half of games, I think we should 
have enough to get across the line. But like you said, Chris, every game we're playing is difficult for different reasons. Aston Villa are right on our heels. And when you put up the table earlier, they've got literally an identical record to us. Same amount yeah. of wins, same amount of draws, same amount of losses. And we probably got plus two more on the goal difference. It's, act- it's insane. We're just as good as Aston Villa. We're just as bad. Like, I can't believe it. <laughs> that is that is mental. But all credit to Emery because when he's he's come in and shown that even without a transfer window, the difference of what a good manager can do. And when he comes out, he's talking, he's like, I'm not afraid to have expectations. I want us to finish in Europe. You know, he's he's someone I got ridiculed at Arsenal for his English and obviously he struggled there. Uh, went back to Villarreal, won a few uh, uh, Europa Leagues, come into the Premier League and shown he's a good manager. So it just goes to show, I mean, you know, us as Spurs fans, it's all doom and gloom right now. We're in a really bad way. But once you get a good manager, things can change and change quite quickly. Eddie Howe's shown you that at Newcastle. And now, obviously, Unai Emery's shown you that. And hopefully, if we do get some dross out and bring some good players in, we can be a good team again. Because we have good individual players. We have good moments. You know, we are where we are in the league. Someone looking in will say, oh, but you're fifth, you're sixth. It's not that bad. But considering we had ample opportunities to go third, ample opportunities to increase our stretch on the top four, and we didn't take it. And now we're sliding down the table. It's not good. And our football hasn't been good all season. Honest Spurs fans will tell you that. But a good manager will come in and change things. So it's not all doom and gloom, but there is obviously some things we need to work on. But when you look at those games, Leeds, we should win. But obviously, if they're fighting for their lives, it's going to be very difficult. Aston Villa is always going to be a toughie. They've got their tails up. And we're we're considered a big team. We're a scalp. These teams that are considered lesser teams, like your Newcastles, your Villas, when they play us, they'll be up for it. So if we're not up for the fight, we'll get played off the park like we did uh, you know, at St. James's. So some tough games, Chris. Patrick, at this stage, though, with four games to go, would you be happy under all of the circumstances? And it's been a very long season, a uh, very frustrating season for us all. Would you be happy with a Europa League spot? No, I would rather we finish eighth. And people, it, it pains me to say it because I always want my club to finish as high up the league as possible. But I think a reset without European football, without that distraction, because will we really take the Europa League seriously? Maybe a new manager would. But I've seen Pochettino not take it seriously. I've seen uh, Jose Mourinho not take it seriously. Conte obviously wasn't in there. But even when I looked at that second uh, second leg performance against AC Milan, I can't tell you that he took that seriously. We were only 1-0 yeah. down at home and the guy didn't even try and win that game. So yeah. I don't see these guys taking European football seriously. So I'd rather not be in it for a season and then we can just focus on the domestic trophies, really go for those and obviously really push back in the league. So right now when we're sitting sixth, seventh, I'd rather we just bin it completely. I don't want to be in the in the conference league. Even if we won the conference league trophy, they we'd still get bantered for it. We were still it, it still wouldn't be good enough anyway. So forget that competition. Europa League is tough. That Sunday, Thursday cycle is horrible, especially at this stage of the season. So if it's not Champions League football, which it's not going to be, I'd rather we finish eighth and then really realign our values and, and, and go again next season. Patrick, what's your score prediction for the Palace game Saturday? 2-0 Spurs. We actually keep a clean sheet again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you're finishing on a positive. How how are you feeling ahead of this game? And I'm completely with Patrick because um, Eze, I think, is a fantastic player for Palace. And he is a player that we scouted for so long and very, very nearly signed. But then, of course, he went to Palace. Yeah, awesome player. Yeah, awesome. I think he's... um... Gained with experience in the league, 
gained uh, confidence. He's a very confident player, you can tell. Um, he's not um, scared of taking on a responsibility like a last-minute free kick, like he's done re- recently and scored. Or even um, he's, he's good with the ball at his feet. Uh, he's quick thinking, uh, pacey, which, again, it's like you look at the players that we've got, we need to... We need to move the ball quicker. We need to have somebody like him, young, enthusiastic, lots of energy. Um, I think he'll be a great addition. Obviously, he's a Palace player at the moment. I think Palace will have will be a threat. They're not as much of a threat away from home than they are at home. But obviously, Roy Hodgson um, sets up his teams very well um, to defend. I think he'll he'll bring his team to hit us on on the break. But maybe. Um, to utilise those thirties or those first fifteen minutes and try and kind of get those wingers into the game as best as he can. Uh, if Zaha's fit, maybe get him on the ball in those attacking areas and try and open us up. I think they might score. Um, I think we're I think we'll win. I think Richarlison will score again. I think it'd be two or three one. I think. And are you feeling confident as well as as well as Richard and Patrick? I'm never confident. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never ever confident. Uh, in fact, um, I've said it before, guys. I I'm not a glass um, half full or glass empty. In fact, when it comes to Tottenham, I've never even got a glass. Um, uh, but we've got Alice. Look, I think. <clears throat> beg pardon. Um, Patrick was right. Uh, 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 once the dust has settled tomorrow, I can think be a bit more objective and, and say, well, look, second half, that was a real sterling. We went out like gladiators in the end, even though... Yeah. Uh, all right, getting back to Palace. All right, let's go. We win 2-1. I'll give it 2-1. I like the two boys that you, you both mentioned um, as a... And Elise, very, very talented. And also, those boys have got legs. They've got an engine. Yeah. They have yeah. a real engine. Eze's, um, this is what I was talking about, penetration um, through midfield. We haven't got that, lads. As I said, I'm being really, I'm sorry to be so repetitive, but we have a squad. The midfield is laced with deep-lying or defensive midfield players. And that has been such a huge drawback to us. It really has. That's one of the reasons why we're averaging about 35% possession, even at home. We haven't, we're overrun. It would, it would be nice to see someone like that. Yes, OK. I'll go Tottenham 2-1. <laughs> Andy, in terms of league position, where do you hope and where do you think Spurs will finish at the end of the season? Do you want European football? Um, I think we'll probably end up seventh. Um, I, I agree with Rob, but maybe it could be a good idea if we did actually uh, go a year without the Thursday Cup or uh, going to, uh, I, I, I don't know, these uh, 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 countries with um, no constants in them, you know, or vowels or, you know... Um, but uh, these sort of one donkey towns that uh, you can barely see on the map, you know. And uh, um, uh, but uh, no. but 
Paco no. de Ferreira. Yeah, yes, it's uh, yes. Some um, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Izaki, uh, I don't know. Izaki Stan somewhere around the politics. Uh, oh, oh. Uh, that'll be the one, won't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that'll be it. Where uh, it's so cold, Eskimos are crying. But um. I, I, I agree with Patrick. Maybe it could be a good idea if we ended up eight uh, and we had a season where we concentrated on domestic trophies and we had the occasional three o'clock kickoff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, our next game is a three o'clock kickoff um, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium next Saturday. Let's hope that Spurs can get back to winning ways. Uh, Rich, thanks so much for joining me this evening. Um, please tell everyone where they can find you on social media and what you're up to at the moment and what's next. Probably I'm here next time we lose. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Just back training. Uh, um, yeah. So Marathon Champ Twitter um, and then Instagram people. People know where to follow, uh, find me. But um, yeah, I think um, like you were saying, Andy, obviously does settles. And then we can go again. Um, yeah. I think it's just really important that we understand that um, that the Conte era is finished of that negativity. <laughs> it's not as bad as Mourinho. I hated Mourinho. Um, <laughs> and uh, hopefully whoever we get is backed and we push on next season. But yeah, I'm just getting sick of this season. It's, it's There's no real positives. I think it looks like Chris is just about to get a ticket in his car. There's definitely no light left, so must be getting. <laughs> I'm trying to speed it up. <laughs> I was just taking his wheels. I, I saw one side of the foot then. I was just taking it while the wheels and 350 quid buying last week. And Patrick, thanks so much for coming back. Uh, we'd love to have you back on the show in the near future. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you on social media and what you're up to at the moment. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Been a pleasure. Richard, fantastic jumping on with you and the same as well, Andy. Um, my like socials it. for the people listening in is Patrick Tyrant. So Patrick and then T-Y-R-A-N-T. It's at the bottom right there. Uh, that's Twitter and Instagram. And um, yeah, I'm on quite a lot of our uh, podcasts and stuff like that. My YouTube channels are Chatty Patty, talking all things Spurs and everything like that. So yeah, catch me on there. Follow me on, on, uh, on Twitter and you'll see what I'm up to. And Chris, great show. Thanks for having me on. Always tough, especially after a loss like today. But it's been fun. It's been some good therapy. Thank you, Patrick. And I told you at the very start, Andy would make us all laugh, even though <laughs> we lost today. Andy, it's been a pleasure having you back. Um, what are you up to at the moment and where can people find you? Uh, well, yeah, I've had to cancel uh, one of my shows. I'm going to do it, Tottenham. Um, Baxter versus the Bookies. It's a one-man um, play about the fluctuating fortunes of a horse racing tipster. I enjoy horse racing. Uh, uh, isn't as painful as watching Tottenham, but um, uh, I've had to cancel. I will be doing it in the autumn in London. Um, thanks so much for putting up with my um, somewhat meandering and ramblings. Uh, um, it's been a pleasure uh, once again, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys, Richard, Pat, um, for your wonderful um, opinions and, and being insightful. Um, uh, yeah, I'm rambling again. I'm going to end up down some verbal cul-de-sac if I ain't careful. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Chris, for having me back on. It's been a real pleasure. 
Well, thank you so much, Richard, Patrick and Andy. Thanks to everybody who has tuned into the YouTube stream and, of course, uh, the audio platforms as well. Um, we will be back next Saturday to talk about the Crystal Palace game. Hopefully, we can get the three points and climb up that Premier League table and secure European football of some kind next season. Thanks for watching. I'll see you on the next one. Until then, come on, you Spurs. Bye now. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.